Hello, everybody. Welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. It's the summer edition. Mike Hancock along with Colin Doyle. It has been quite some time, Doyle, since we've been together and uh, on the record anyways. I've enjoyed Hello. every minute of it. <laughs> Colin, that was not the way we needed to start this off. I do miss you. <laughs> oh, okay. Now we're back on track. I haven't, however, missed talking lacrosse. And why is that? So I'm looking forward to getting our fill here today. Why is that? I've been too busy to think about it. We can talk lots of, like, lacrosse, like, my girls' lacrosse. We can talk lots about camps and stuff like that. But that's where I've been. That's where I've been living the last three or four weeks. So, Well, let's start off with that. Camp in full swing here the month of July is insane here at the track. Packed with kids every week. Uh, a lot of this is what uh, – this is kind of – it's almost kind of like it's all your fault, too, because you kind of got all this going. We we've got <laughs> we've got a busy summer. Since you've done so well with all this stuff, like this is that's why there's so many kids here. Right? Well, that's a good thing. Okay. So I guess if that's a backhanded compliment or a forehanded oh, compliment, thank you. At you. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of fun here. We run a great program of. Uh, we've developed some great coaches, you know, on staff this week. You know, if you can imagine being an 11 year old kid and learning from Challen Rogers and Jeff Teat and Riley Hutchcraft and Nick Rose. Uh, Brad Cree, you know, it's pretty special. So we run a great lacrosse program, but we've got lots to keep the kids busy as well. And we take a lot of pride in keeping everybody moving and everybody engaged. It's hard to do when you've got 80 kids between 6 and 13 running around, but it's fun. It leaves me gray at the end of this month, and I need a rest, but I enjoy doing it. So it's been fun. So we've expanded our programs this year. We're five full camps this summer, which is uh, – which is an increase of three in the past. So we've already had our boys field across camp with Schreiber and Rogers went fantastic. We had our first ever girls field across camp with Danita Stroop, ex rock star Danny Stroop's daughter, who's just graduated from Northwestern University, along with Tori Barfoot, who's a star here at uh, Wilfrid Laurier. And it went really well. It was well received. Uh, and then we've got our first week of kind of our box across experience, which is traditionally our camp of choice. And we've got this week, next week, and the week after that. So. Five weeks. It's full. It's busy. You mentioned the girls' camp there. How, what, in terms of uh, other camps, are there available in Ontario that would even rival anything that you know that were was put together here? That's a good question. I I, I don't know of a ton of full week camps. I know that I've heard of many different one offs where they come in for a day and they put on clinics and camps and whatnot. But I don't know that there's much where it offers a full week and. Uh, Similar to what we do here with these kids, the girls were able to practice lacrosse and learn skills all morning, and then in the afternoon they were able to work out with a dynamic athlete. They were able to, able to play basketball and football and soccer and all those fun sports uh, to kind of take their mind off of it, and then every day we ended with a great scrimmage. So, you know, for, for an eight-hour day, you've got to find different ways to keep kids occupied. And um, a lot of these kids, uh, there's a kid here from, from Brampton who I think this is his ninth year of doing our camps and is graduating out this year and he'll grow into an instructor for us for sure. And as we see this thing kind of grow, we, I look forward to seeing more and more stories like that where kids kind of age out of the camp and they end up becoming a big part of our staff. So 
we've got three young kids out there right now that were part of the camp and they're junior coaches so it's pretty good it's a pretty good thing it's just exhausting I think it's been pretty neat pretty unique to see how the girls program has grown especially here and like you say to have the basically the world-class instructors here as well and I think it it kind of almost goes without saying or is expected when something's run out of this facility that on the boys and the box side and all that kind of stuff we've got those people in-house so to speak already right. and, and good connections but to see what has been able to be uh, built with the girls program is actually pretty outstanding that right away it's kind of you know world-class yeah and I mean we intend to keep it that way we've got to keep growing it and finding different ways to to train girls lacrosse players and whatever else but it's a really good start I think this is our third year with girls programs and our camp this year was a tremendous success I'd love to see it grow next year sell out you know where we are here with 70 and 80 kids a week so yeah I, it all starts with great coaching and when you get great coaching you know you're able to do a lot of things I think a lot of parents bring their kids back because they enjoy the you know the, the day the way it's set up you know all the thought and effort that goes into setting a schedule for a day like this it's not easy and it's not something you can just wing you know trying to keep kids occupied is a difficult business so uh we've done it well I hope to continue to do it well and like I said as long as we have dedicated coaches we'll continue to grow programs and it's this time of year we start to look ahead to our rock elite program for the winter and Nick, Challen, Jamie, and I have to sit down and, and look where we can make that better and where we can grow that. So, you know, in the next couple of weeks, as camps kind of quiet down, we start to launch our programs for our fall and winter. And, you know, I want to see our Rock Elite programs become the standard for winter lacrosse across Ontario. And I'd like to see us grow into some travel teams and, and start to offer kids who, who want it a little bit more. So a lot of things happening. Um, but when you got a facility like this, you know, it's our job to put to put it to good use so we're in the process of doing all that right now now one other name i wanted to pick your brain about a little bit uh, that you threw it there was jeff teat and just uh kind of the incredible experience it is probably for him too a little bit but for these kids to to kind of you know receive instruction from a guy who's already looked at as kind of the next one so to speak and it's kind of funny last summer i can remember talking to his father dan who also works around the building here but just to mention uh, what Jeff has already accomplished at such a young age being you know this uh, almost no-brainer kind of junior A star all the way up being like you know what he's already kind of pegged as being the next guy and what he accomplished by playing for Team Canada at his age I said if this was happening happening in hockey like this could draw parallels to you know what Eric Lindros did back playing for Team Canada when he was very young and, and playing in the Canada Cup and then, you know, had, say, Sidney Crosby or something made Team Canada right away being very young, this would be headline news on SportsCenter. Like, every night, every day, like, this would have been the big news with, you know, Jeff Teat playing for Team Canada still as a junior. But I just wanted to kind of know what you've seen from him just as a, as a, as an individual, as a young adult here, and uh, what he's been able to bring to the table and what you see in him maybe in the future. He's been like a grown-up camper this week, so he's not all that far removed from some of <laughs> okay. these kids, which yeah, it, which true. makes it that much more fascinating. Yeah. You know, you're you're dealing with somebody who's in his first year senior, and to be honest with you, the first time I'd really seen him play was a few weeks ago. It was actually last week we came up to watch Oakville Rock play Brampton here. First time I'd really seen him play since since he was much younger. Seen a bit on TV and the web and stuff over his junior career, but never live. And yeah, he's something impressive and you know the lucky team that gets their hands on him next year is is better off immediately he adapt he's adapted so well to playing with men and he's so unassuming he's not overly big he's not overly quick 
but his uh, his brain and his IQ obviously operate on a different level. And yeah, to your point, he's he's really been successful, and I don't see that that's slowing down anytime soon. I, I'm sure what's you know number one on his brain right now is to get to get something out of Cornell here, try to get them on a run, try to make a run and an NCAA championship. But he probably can't help himself but look into the future and wonder where you know he's going to be able to sow his NLL roots and what team you know will will have their fortunes changed very similar to what you know Mark Matthews um I can't think of another one offhand here but immediately you know whoever got Mark and I can remember this was yeah. was immediately you know legitimately a contender and I don't know that we've seen someone come along nobody expected that from Challen he was a second pick you know I go back and over and over but I think Jeff's the kind of player that immediately, immediately your offense is is top notch because of him. He's he's a smooth player. I really enjoyed watching him play, and I think the sky's is, the sky's the limit for him. I've always been amazed at how much respect he draws from other teams' defenders on the floor, because like you say, he's not big, he's not overly fast, all those things. But yet, you know, watching him play Brampton Junior A over the years, it was kind of like it was like almost nobody wanted to check him. Like, it was like that he just seemed to have so much respect that once that ball was in his stick, like, he was doing something, and you kind of almost had to play safe against him almost. It was, it, I, it's I, been neat to watch. I think that's a byproduct of him being just five steps ahead of where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what I saw the other day. Every now and again, he he was reminded he was with good lacrosse playing men, and he got caught in the trolley tracks a few times. But honestly, he moves so well without it. He doesn't put himself in position to get himself into trouble. And that, to me, is the lacrosse brain. So he's got that. I mean, his shot is unbelievable. He sees the floor well, all those other things. And they'll only get better. But, you know, where he's at as far as watching the game is a chess match. He's on a different level already. So that's what's going to serve him the best moving forward is you won't want to defend him because if you turn your back, you're going to lose him. If you play a man up, you know, chest to chest, he'll burn you. Mm-hmm. There's really no way to defend players that are smart and gifted, and that's what you've got here. So he's having a heck of a rookie season, and, you know, that Brampton team, I think, in great part because of what he's accomplished here, they're, they seem to be kind of in the fold to get maybe that three, four seed. And, yeah. you know, I don't think they're going to win, but I was impressed with their team. They're young and they're fast. And when they get some goaltending, they're kind of hanging around with some of the top teams, which I don't think anybody expected. So that makes for at least a a little bit of a storyline in the MSL. Is there a player that you played with or against that reminds you of Jeff? Um, I mean, I'd say shooter, but, you know, he's, he's a bigger than shooter. Shooter success right into senior lacrosse was like that. Yeah. And I think it caught a lot of people off guard. He had such a great junior career that when he came up, everybody just kind of expects you to have that hiccup, yep. even if it's just for a year. But Shooter walked right into the WLA with me. We went and played on the Adnex together, and he was just six, seven points a game, automatic. <laughs> and he was picking apart players that were you know, 10 years older than him. And yeah. I think it, it opened a lot of eyes. So in that facet, you know how well he's transitioned to the senior game, I think he reminds me of Shooter. His game, no. I mean, his game is different. He's slippery, yet he's good on ball. He's a good shooter, yet he's a really good feeder. I don't know that, you know, I don't know, like Dixon and Matthews, and all, they they were, you know, Matthews was six foot three and 220 pounds, and he could shoot and pass. You know, Dixon was just a pure goal scorer. 
Uh, I can't like name me another superstar that was that kind of came up and had immediate impact. And I don't, I don't know that they had game like him. I, I, it's a tough one because even when you just threw up Matthews out there, when I was starting to think like who are the guys that have come up that you said like you said immediate impact, but also like guys that you could build around. You knew that that guy was the cornerstone of your franchise for ten years, whereas some guys have come up and like you said experienced that hiccup, and you you're pretty sure they're going to be that guy, but. But Matthews, for sure, I think in recent memory would be the guy. But and yeah. that's going on, what, is that seven years now maybe since yeah. he was that? You know, that's saying something. It's hard to come in and, you know, Schreiber did it. Yeah. But he was no kid. No. You know, he was a graduate and probably a couple of years removed from NCAA. So, you know, mind you, Jeff hasn't done it in the NLL, but I, I don't suspect that. The, it'll yeah. be this what he's doing right now to all the fans of Ontario lacrosse and Canadian lacrosse. He'll do it to the NLL this time next year or whenever he, you know he graduates into this because he'll do the same thing. The Nets will be bigger. There'll be more power play time. And, you know, because the Nets are bigger and there's no wooden stick, defenses have to open up and expose a little bit more. I think he'll just pick te- teams apart. So he'll be doing this, and he'll have all the eyes of the NLL on him soon. And, you know, as, as far as we're all concerned, we suppose he takes a good run at that Torton Award next year, and we'd love to get a Canadian's name on that thing. So – uh, he's a special player. He'd be the one to kind of hopefully rise up. Now, the next thing I wanted to kind of move on to, we are going to get to some NLL talk here eventually, but the next thing I wanted to talk about was kind of continuing along with the uh, summer lacrosse theme. And you battled for many a man cup, played many a season of senior, either in the WLA, like you already mentioned, or in major series here in Ontario. But what are your thoughts on the regular season? Because I, I kind of felt like you, you were a guy who would regularly play a lot of games. Am I? Yeah, I did. Right? So, and this seems to be, like, it seems to vary from year to year where some guys are in, some guys are out. But there is a lot of just inconsistency in teams' lineups. And what? That seems to be the trend. I think it's trending more that way than it would the other. Yeah. Um, you know, players nowadays, too, there's all these different leagues. Like, towards the end of my senior A career, I had the opportunity to play in the MLL. So that immediately takes away from some of your games in the yeah. MSL, you know, just with conflicts and schedule and travel and everything else. So that right there. And then, you you know, a lot of these players are starting to work full-time in lacrosse, which takes them to camps or to clinics or to, you know, appearances, which takes another two or three games out. But that... I think is only part of it. I think the other part of it is the players don't might not see the value in doing it every night. Whereas I did like, I wasn't a gym rat. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't someone that loved being in the gym. I didn't like off season training. So the point for me was, well, let's just go play. Let's just keep playing. And more often than not, my, you know, I had kind of a, an expectation to be there like that was my almost like a job for me was playing lacrosse so yeah you know whether it was in Brampton or Coquitlam or Nations at the end you know there's some nights where Wednesday nights in Brooklyn's to me was it's just a reoccurring nightmare it's 47 degrees in there um it's in concrete I've, I go through three pairs of shoes and four jerseys and six shorts and a whole new set of gear I just am not comfortable it's so tough I can remember that to this day. I can remember, yes, you it's were just unbearable. Jerseys. One game I had to play without shorts on. I played with my spandex on. They had to kick me out of the game, but I had no more shorts to wear. What? That's a when true story. When was that? When? Towards the end of my career in Brooklyn, They're I had no more for shorts. Six Nations. Yeah, and I went out with my spandex. 
And they said, "You got to put some shorts on." I said, "I haven't got any shorts because I would stand there. You know, I would stand there if I was standing in a, in one spot yeah. for a minute. There was just a pool of water, and then I can't stand up. So th- those kind of things get tough. You know, when if I look back to going out to Coquitlam as a rookie, you know, game night was awesome. I just loved it. You're fresh out of junior. Yeah. You want to play. So you know, those seven years pass, and then you're in Brampton, and same thing. We just had a good team. I enjoyed playing. It's what I wanted to do. So my mind was wired that way. Now, you know, I think as time went on and, you know, you have to miss something at home to get somewhere, you still had to make the decision. Normally I would make the decision to play the game, but it, it became tougher. Regular seasons are, are tough. The MSL's regular season is even tougher. But at the end of the day, you know, you're still battling for that first position because whether it was Peterborough or, or Victoria, wherever you had to go for game seven, you'd sooner be hosting it. So there was always something on the line. And, you know, I just think our generation was maybe wired that way. Maybe nowadays, like I said, there's a lot else going on, and I don't think the value's there. Maybe they don't see the value because they're in the gym all the time. They're never going to get out of shape. If I didn't play, you know, I'd be I'd be getting into trouble. So I played. So I have two questions for you then, and they both kind of apply to games played and, and number of games. Right now the MSL schedule is 18 games. Is there a sweet spot in terms of the number of games, length of the season? And two – this is just something I've been thinking of over the last few days is right now you have to play five games out of 18 to qualify to play for the playoffs. Should that number be increased? Well, you'd know more about this than I would because you deal with this stuff. Like it would give the lesser like teams, like the teams at the bottom, probably a better chance because their lineups are consistent. They Their stars play all the time because they do. And I think – it would make it more difficult for a star-studded team to move roster spots around. So I, I think if you wanted a better, more consistent game, you could, but you might lose stars. And I don't know if the goal at the end of the day is to not having certain people playing in the league. Because August lacrosse here in, in the senior loop is fantastic. It's a grind to get there, but once you get everybody in these lineups and they're playing four out of sevens, it's really exciting lacrosse. So do you not want them there? Come August, because of that rule, because you're doubling the amount of games, or if you double it, is the transition easy anyway? They all still do it anyway. I don't know. And then do you want a guy there that doesn't want to be there and just goes through the motions for three shifts and walks off the floor? Yeah. You know, well, you get into well, all these Well, that's what I'm things. starting to say, possibly a shorter schedule. Could be, and maybe it's only 10 or 12 games. And everybody get in? No, I, I think you still have a, you know, then you have a super competitive regular season. Yeah. You could still leave it at five games, but hey, you know what? You got such a short season now. Maybe the guys have, end up saying, well, geez, I might as well play the whole season here or 10 games or nine games or whatever. And I, I just think something's got right now. There's just a weird spot right now where I feel like there's just too many nights where the lineups are inconsistent and you're piecing things together. And, you know, you're, you're also trying to get people to come and watch the game. And then, oh, well, nobody's. Nobody's right. playing tonight. Like, Yeah, you know, Peterborough wouldn't be for it. They want those gates. Uh, other than that, I don't think you'd get a lot of pushback elsewhere. Yeah. You push it back a month, let the players rest from an NLL year and, and you know, get into it. Yeah, I, I don't know what you do. I, I really don't know what the – but it has seemed to have lost it, its luster. And, and to be honest, the fact that the same two teams are likely going to be in the championship every year, pretty yeah. close to it, I think also – detracts from the value of, of a regular season. Yeah. Like, really, there's two teams fighting for that top spot. Everybody knows that. Everybody knew that going in, and it only became more obvious as the year went on as players were yeah. moving around. So, 
you know, with, with that being said, then if there's no real value on first place or if there's no real value, well, why would you? So I don't know how you do it. You have to believe you're going to win. And if you believe you're going to win, you'll probably see value in going to every game and playing hard. So I don't know. Yeah, 14 games would work. Anything, it's worth a shot. I like the game. I always have. I think people in Ontario are so lucky. People in BC are so lucky to see these players up close. Yeah. You play 12 bucks or 6 bucks if you're kidding. Yeah. You know, we were here the other night. There was, geez, there was probably six NLL, like, one, two, or three stars on, yeah. like, you know what I mean, on the yeah. floor. And I was yeah. trying to explain this to the people I was with. I said, well, it's not the Toronto Rock, but look, there's their captain, there's their goalie, and there's a kid who's going to be drafted number one overall. And there's the – like. Yeah. It, it's pretty exciting, but you know, you and I, we're, we come from a different space. We, we we bleed this stuff. This is what we do. So, you know, we see the value in it. But yeah, it's uh, it's certainly interesting. They've they've got to find a way, I think, to get it right, and hopefully, they work through it and it becomes great again. But all that being said, come August fourth, when these rounds kick off, you know, I want to be sitting here watching it. Oh yeah, it's going to be great once everybody's saddled up here and uh ready to go it is going to be great yeah and brampton and oakville are going to get in i would assume <clears throat> and i don't think they're going to get steamrolled They'll- no well this is the interesting thing too when you think like on the schedule oakville and peterborough's one meeting this year oakville beat peterborough 17-4 right both sides were missing a few guys but still 17-4 Poulin started the game matt vince finished it uh i think Poulin let in nine or ten out of the 17 so it wasn't like vino came in and shut the door so um still three more meetings this this month to go yet between oldville and peterborough oh, yes geez. first of which is this thursday and then uh the final two games of the regular season uh will be oakville peterborough monday thursday so the game that i watched and i haven't seen a ton of it it was everybody's so big and they're so fast. I think we went like seven, eight minutes without a whistle. Yeah. It looked like a OHL hockey game. The like, transition is and it's unbelievable. Like it, it baffles me. It baffles me, and I'll say this, and I'll say, I cannot believe I played that. It It's so mind-numbing to me that I was able to stand <laughs> and do something out there against the size and the tenacity and the speed. It was. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. So I was really impressed. Great game really fast and just it's so hard to get space the goalies are so big you know it's so hard to get space and you have to get a good pretty good shot on net to be able to beat these goalies and it, there just isn't a ton of it out there and that's what makes what what Jeff Teat does so much more fascinating like there just isn't a lot of space to give away out there you've really got to earn it and find it and do you find too just offenses when offenses get going it what like teams are getting up and down the floor so fast now I think and then it's just go it is just going. I think I don't think that's a good thing. I still think when you when you settle, the teams that can play offense and wear you out with thirty seconds will score more and be more dangerous. I think what happens is the game gets up and down so quick, it's a semi transition shot and boom, it's gone. Yeah. All five players are just coming on the floor. All five players are just going off. I, so one thing I did notice, I just didn't feel like offense is really like I would be useless out there. You know, I had to settle in and play. I had to work a two-man game yeah. for 15, 20 seconds. I had to isolate somebody. I had to – I just don't see a ton of that. No. Like, there, it's like get the ball, and if it's not a breakaway, we'll just take the next closest thing and fire it yeah. and live with it. Like, it's one thing I just couldn't get my head around. And like I said, I, if you – you know, our generation, I think it wasn't just me. It was just – 
you worked an offense. I just don't see it. And it's the same in the NLL. It's it's just rare to see an offense really go to work. Yeah. So it's an interesting point. Right. I, I've really found it the other day in that in that game. Okay, well, we will take a short break here. We've got uh, Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, Jamie Dowick, about to slide in. We've had uh, an expansion draft go down here in recent weeks. Free agency's coming up. A very interesting offseason seems to be unfolding everywhere. So we'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, and we will be back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with Colin Doyle. We now welcome in Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, Jamie Dowick. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Mike. How are you doing? I'm Hang good. on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, what wow. are his three titles again? <laughs> owner, you started at the top, right? Owner, president, general manager. Wow. Those are three nice titles, boss. Thanks, buddy. How could are we you? get you? What? Could we add a fourth this week, camp counselor? <laughs> what would it take? I don't want to step on anyone's toes. You do such a good job with the kids. I know the kids would love to have you out uh, there for a day. I was like, come, I'll come say hi. We do a dressing room tour. All right. So you hear that? Ooh. Tomorrow we're doing a dressing room tour. Any questions for the boss, man? Some of these kids are pretty, pretty in the loop too. You be careful. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so you get some interesting questions. That's for sure. <laughs> Why? Last year the question I remember. Why did you cut Brody? <laughs> that was yeah, funny. Yeah. Come on, really? Now, why did you cut Brody? <laughs> I don't recall the answer, but maybe <laughs> no, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we get into uh, NLL talk, you were, we uh, were following you at the World Series of Poker here at the start of July, your trip uh, to Vegas and uh, your journey there. Tell us a little bit about uh, how that unfolded in your eyes and uh, just the – experience going back again yeah well, it was great to be back it's been a few years i think since uh, since i'd done it and and earlier done it you know a bunch of years in a row there so it was fun to be back it was, it, it's great you know like to me just as the final table they're down to three tonight um you know anyone can do it and you just need to you need to have a lot of luck you need to have the cards go your way at the right time and this year that didn't happen for me so we you know it, it's a it's a structure where you can be very patient uh you, you know it's it, it's still going uh like yeah. almost two weeks later at least early on you know you're really not forced into to doing much and and but you need to get the cards and so it didn't happen but it was uh it was a lot of fun to get back and do that and and i'm kind of itching to you know do something again i know there's one in uh Ni there's a pretty good tournament in niagara in october or something like that so it, 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 gave, it gave me the itch to get back out there got a lot of nice texts and messages and so it was good a lot of people following along and it seems like they enjoyed it too so it was good times yeah it was a good tradition i remember you doing it all the time it was fun to follow along i know sitting at the tables myself uh whether it's on a plane ride or at an actual table <laughs> You get the you get the blood. I get the blood. Table the blood plane? going. Well, we would have tables on the planes. <laughs> well, we'd make them anyway. Sidetrack. The blood gets going pretty good. It's pretty exciting. Uh, the card games are exciting. Yeah. Uh, when you're there, like you're a pretty cool guy and collected and everything. Do you get wound? Like, can, does your body get moving a bit? Do you get like? Do you feel it? When yeah. I mean, you know, like my my approach in those tournaments, especially in the in the main event, is. 
you know, and some people will 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 argue this, but like patience, patience is is key, and keeping your emotions in check and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, when you're in a situation, you know, early on where you're in a big pot, and you know, like yeah, oh yeah, the heart the heart gets going, and and uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on there. So it, it's really controlling your emotions and. You know, I might not be the best of that at, at the most of times, but for some reason in those in that situation, I, I seem to be able to manage it. I I feel like so, but uh, how yeah. do you how do you what do you tell yourself to calm yourself down? And like, if I had a pair of kings, like everybody at the table would know he's got a pair of kings. <laughs> like, I just I would not be able to hold that. How do you talk yourself in your own head to, from? from showing a nice hand how do you do that or do you just simply play against it or play into it or how like well you know for me my approach kind of is is to try and be pretty consistent in what i'm doing in all situations and and how i react and what i what i'm betting you know when i'm raising what i'm what my posture what i do at the table you know like are you consciously monitoring that stuff uh, well i i keep it pretty simple so that you know it, it, you're not doing other things like you know so when you know I, I have the monster hand or or like the nuts i start playing with my chips but whenever i'm not you know i have a weaker hand i don't play with like right. the, the, you got to be careful what people pick pick up on so because good players I'm, will pick up on that oh eh? absolutely and and they'll look for anything and and you know you'd be surprised how good some of these guys are um you know at picking up these things and and people that you don't really even know you know so it's uh you're I, it's definitely something i'm aware of and tr- and just try and be very consistent in, in my mannerisms and how i do things and so that i'm not giving anything off you know that gives them right. a, gives them an, an added edge it'd be some sweet to see the boss man take a run at one of those eh it would be. Well, when we were down there a few years ago, you got like that was one of the most exciting things I'd ever been at at a sporting event was when the money bubble burst and yeah. and how it was every hand played down once it got close to it. So in the room, it's like, you know, one hand is kind of dealt, you know, through the room. And then it's like once that once every hand is done at the table, then the next hand is dealt. And then just like the energy in the room when it finally burst was was pretty cool it how, was something different that you don't like experience at another event kind of thing how many people enter that tournament there was almost 8500 this year and second largest field yeah. ever yeah year. really yeah. Yeah. i played in that largest one Wh- how what was the deepest you've ever been one year i came 353rd which is you know probably it was in today four i think um you know, this year I, I busted out late day two. There was probably still about three thousand people in the tournament. Uh, they hit the money late day three. I think twelve hundred people cashed this year. Min cash was fifteen thousand. Um, you know, one of these times, one of these times, mm-hmm. we had we had some fun one year at the TV table with Greg Gra- uh, Fossilman, yep. Craig Raymer, and Jason Alexander. Yeah for a long time at the tv it was it was a lot of fun and jason yeah alexander, i mean like jason alexander yeah yeah, yeah like awesome I, you I've, can look I've, it up. I've, it's I've, on youtube you can check it i've out. had i've had yeah. actually some real like ray romano played with one for a while awesome just awesome uh 
Who was the other? Uh, well, Jason Alexander, Ray Kevin Romano. Kevin Pollock. Was, was there it? you go. Kevin Pollock was yeah. awesome. Are good, you good player? A lot of fun. He cashed this year. I saw. Are you yeah. buddies with any of the high end poker players? Do you know any of them personally? Not really. I I, I no. I I have bumped. In. I I kind of bumped into Negrano a few times way back in the day in a, in a couple things. But no, I don't. Uh, I, I listen. You know me. I I keep to myself really when I'm when I'm there. Like I'm not mingling and trying to get to know these guys if they want to play poker. If you had a if you could host your own tournament, Ryan's twenty five k. What six people, including yourself and five others, would you want to play poker with? Well, everyone's putting in twenty five k. Yeah, you're you're there. <laughs> 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 so well, this I gotta is put, well, there's a caveat. I got to put 25 of your money in. <laughs> no, 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 no. Who would you like to play you, poker can, with? Oh, hold on. Can you rebuy? <laughs> so well, there's Doyle and Manning. The stable's getting get smaller. Get Manning in there for sure, too. Who would you like to play poker with? Is there any, like, is that a thing? Is that a real man I would like to play with? Not even poker Listen, players. honestly, uh... The, 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 the biggest problem to get into a poker game with, like, the, 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 the big names that you see, like the Phil Helmus, the uh, Antonio, Antonio yeah, yeah, and, like, say, Daniel Negreanu, like, I think it's really tough to play against those guys because you've seen them play so much and, and they've done so – you've seen them do so many different things and you just – you know, it's all about – finding out where you are and, and finding out where you are in a hand and position. And with those guys, it's so tough. And, and you know, I, they are better p- poker players than, than myself and whatever. I mean, cards and this and that, you know, luck beat certain things. But they're, they're, they're scary to play. So to play in a high-stakes game like those guys, you know, like they play, they play their big buy-in games where you can buy in, you know, from like – you know, let's say half quarter of a million dollars to a million dollars, and reload if you and want. And anybody can enter. Well, no, like it's just a nine-person cash game. They they play those, like in it, Vegas. Where do they host? Yeah, these? oh yeah, they do them. You see them on TV sometimes. But yeah, you probably get that every night in Vegas. Maybe at the Aria. Used to be at the Bellagio in Bobby's room, and and uh, wow, like I just that would be that would be intimidating. That sounds wild. Yeah. Have you ever done it? No, I've never really played in anything like too too crazy. Right. I mean, we've well, we had a couple of big ones <laughs> on <that>. Boston, <laughs> big for me. <laughs> oh man, no, uh, no, I've never done anything too crazy like that. I I get the rush out of it. Like you know, there's a rush in that. You know, you're competitive. You want to win. So whether the tournament's a hundred bucks or ten grand. You know, like to me, whatever it is, you got to be willing to lose. You know, it's just like gambling; like it's it's entertainment and it's disposable income. And as long as you look at it like that, you know, I just want to win, whatever whatever it's for. So one of these times, it'll happen. It'll be a lot of fun. Mike, did we carry on too long on? No, that was that was awesome. I think that's what uh, makes this whole thing uh, unique. But now let's talk lacrosse. Let's talk expansion draft. And I know the clock's ticking out there too, right? Is it is ticking. Okay. We, we got a backyard Sorry. lacrosse tournament about to start, and I'm yeah. the, I got to be the convener of the league. <laughs> this is the highlight of your week, isn't it? It's one of. Yeah, okay. So uh, expansion draft just went down. The Rock lose uh, Dan Lintner and Kieran McCardle as part of the process. Uh, 
McCardle goes to New York. Lintner goes to Rochester. I guess just your reaction on that in this process. And like we had pointed out, I think earlier, uh, you know, through some articles and whatnot about the fact the Rock have now lost, you know, four O guys here off the team, all guys that were in the lineup uh, in the last two years. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a blow. I mean, uh, you know, it was in a, once again, um, and I think we talked about this probably the last time we were on the podcast, but two years in a row, losing two guys off your team that you don't want to lose. And, yeah, it's turned out to be four old guys. And, and uh, you know, we all want expansion, and it's good for the league and this and that, but part of that is, you know, you got to give up. And, 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 listen, we spent a lot of time talking about what that number of protect players is. If that number was... I think if you stop and look back at it and say that number was 12, which there was a lot of argument about what the number would be, I, I listen, I think 10's the right number. And unfortunately, with that, you know, good, good, very good players and good people go. Um, it, it's to help your new partners out and give them a, give them a good foot to start on. And, uh, you know, so but but that doesn't make the process any easier. It, it was a very tough thing this year um, to go through. Um, you know, the fact that Kieran's a Long Island boy, and and you know, with his job, travel was becoming a little tougher here for him. Um, you know, we had we had a pretty good. I mean, both guys, we had a pretty good idea they were going to take uh, the Kieran one. That that made it a little easier to let him go because I know he's landing in a great spot with a great opportunity in his backyard, and that'll work better for his job and whatever. And and we'll miss him and and thank him for everything. But you know, the damn one was real. real that that one's real tough being a Toronto boy and being a guy that you know we traded for back on draft day basically and been here for four years and you know and someone you guys have invested some time in and this year especially with giving them that full-time job i'm sure it's yeah it's it's not it's 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 it 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 hurts um you know the upside of losing people and you said four offensive players were two years you get to get creative now as a general manager of this team you've got to fill spots and you know you're not flush with draft picks you have some uh, but you get to go kind of shake some trees and find different ways to find players, not unlike you did with Kieran and Tom in the first place. So is there a plan laid out here for you to fill some of these spots? Is it all draft-oriented? Are you looking at free agents? Are you looking elsewhere? Give us an idea. Give the fans an idea of kind of what the plan of, plan of attack is to fill these spots. Well, I mean, you hit all three areas. I mean, uh, it's not one specific area at all. I mean – we just went through the expansion draft, so up until that point, there was there was no trades, and so everything was kind of on lockdown on that. So really, no need to be talking to the other teams other than the expansion teams about maybe who you were going to lose there. Um, you know, since since that's gone, it seems like the phones are, are are ringing pretty good, and there's a lot of teams talking. I think you've seen a few little deals here and there, and I think there's a lot more to come there. So. Um, you know, look, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll explore all trade situations. Uh, you know, free agency starts in two weeks. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I've got a list of who, who's going to be available and who's restricted free agents and who's unrestricted and, you know, all these things. Those things can still change over the next couple of weeks with guys resigning with their teams, guys getting franchised. So, you know, we just stay up to date with that and, and we'll see what where where everything falls on August first and who's available and then and then the draft will roll around in September and 
you know, we don't really have any high picks, and you know, we got we, we get, we're returning pretty well most of our team, I would think, uh, outside of uh, you know the two guys we did lose in the expansion draft. So um, not a ton of spots available, and we got some other guys coming on. So I, I think we're I think we're in a real good spot. I think we're real deep on the back end, and there's going to be a heck of a lot of competition back there. Uh, for jobs and and uh, you know we'll go out and we'll find a way to uh, you know shore up the front end and find the winning combination and and get this thing back on track do you think you have a top pressing need or are you kind of just looking to make everything better or is there something you felt like you lacked last year that you need to fill this year well, I definitely like to ask, add some size up front. I mean, right right now, to be honest with you, defensive wise, uh, you know, we'll we'll explore a free agent two or two if, if if they're available potentially. But you know, I like to think we got about you know thirteen to fourteen guys in the stable there already. You know, fighting for 10, let's say ten or eleven active roster spots. So I'm not too focused on the. You know, my, my, I think our my focus is on the offense. I've lost four offensive guys over the last couple of years. I need to fill some holes. I need to add some size up there. Um, you know, and I'm looking on both sides of the ball. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Is Slade an old guy? Like, he, you got him playing old for you here in Oakville? Like, he we'll puts see. up numbers. We'll, we'll, like, is he an old guy? Is this... Listen, I, I think Brandon Slade's a little bit of an everything guy. And, and if I'm being totally honest with you... And you asked me if he's going to play O or D for the Toronto Rock next year. I don't know the answer right. to that. Uh, you know, um, a lot of things up in the air. Reed Reinhold coming back from injury. You know, I'm not aware really of what his plans. You know, he doesn't really know what his situation is as far as is he going to be in Vancouver or is he going to be in Toronto. And, and that's going to play a big factor in whether we see Reed Reinhold back here or not. And him and I have talked about that. So, you know, the depending what happens if, if reed were to um you know stay in vancouver then then that means really we've got currently three three lefts on our roster so not including slade so if you know right. it'll it'll depend you're right if we have so much depth on the back end and and slade make listen uh i think you could do a lot worse than brandon slade as your as your fourth left that's for sure you know he does play out at the front door a lot for us in the summer and you know that that's dictated by our depth as well. But uh, he does a good job, and and uh, you know I'm a big fan of Brandon Slade's. I think he's come a long way, and uh, you know I'm pretty sure you'll 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 see him uh, you'll see him in one of those spots. Okay, all right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. We've this gives us a... more to talk about next week. It... Right? Next week, See? Doyle. Really? I avoided you long enough, next and now week? I'm coming back next week. <laughs> Ooh, you enjoyed this, oh, eh? boy, I knew he would. Well, I, I feel knew like once we spoke, got we're going. We're going to play some cards I knew today. once we got going. We have so much more to talk about. <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll take a short break there. Uh, Jamie, thanks a lot for joining us. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Cheers. Cheers, Jamie. Thank you. All right, we'll take a short break on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back to wrap it up in just one moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. That will wrap up the program here. Unfortunately, uh, we had to cut things a little bit short this week, but 
Colin Doyle has assured me that uh, he's freeing up his schedule. We're going to get a couple of more of these episodes in here this summer. But right now, uh, as I look out into the Toronto Rock Athletic Center from the boardroom where we record this podcast every uh, once in a while here as we get into the summer. But as I look out there, they're getting ready for uh, what looks to be the uh, Backyard Lax tournament here. Colin loves this stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's awesome with the kids. And if you ever do have a – an opportunity to sign up your uh, your son or daughter for one of the uh, programs here at the Toronto Rock Athletic Centre, and especially for these Toronto Rock camps, uh, where Colin is uh, the lead instructor, along with guys like you mentioned, Challen Rogers and Brad Cree and Nick Rose and other rock lacrosse players that uh, end up swinging through here throughout the week. It's something you don't want to miss. It's a great opportunity, and also, like Colin was saying, some of these Campers have been coming back every year for uh, almost a decade, so it's pretty cool. And this year, obviously, like we talked at the start as well, Jeff Teat here, a uh, member of Team Canada and a member of the Brampton Major Excelsiors, Junior A Excelsiors, uh, Cornell as well, and uh, fighting to be recognized probably in the next year as one of, if not the top NCAA college lacrosse player and uh, pretty well the consensus future first overall pick in the NL draft coming up in 2020. So that's the kind of stuff you get here at the track. So that will be wrap things up. Of course, season memberships are on sale. So at any juncture, you can jump on to torontorock.com slash season memberships and get all signed up to get ready for the 2019-20 season. Can you believe that? We're already talking about 2020. Incredible. Uh, also, if you want, you can do it the old-fashioned way, folks. You could pick up the phone and call 416-596-3075 and ask to speak to a ticket representative, and they will set you up with a season membership. It's a great value. You get to come to every Toronto Rock home game. First home playoff game is included. Uh, I've got a little bit of a revamped uh, stadium map this year as well, arena map something that we think is uh, quite appealing and a nice fresh take on the what used to be season tickets now known as a season membership with some more stuff going on and planned to make this a 12 month kind of uh, involvement with the Toronto Rock going forward so lots of great stuff to come on that front but that will about wrap up this first summer edition of Toronto Rock Total Access in the meantime and in between time for Colin Doyle, who has already departed. I am Mike Hancock saying we will chat real soon.